You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and it is 9.14 p.m. on Monday. And as of right now, the Pacers have not made another trade since the Karis LeVert Victor Oladipo, or excuse me, the Karis LeVert Ricky Rubio trade. My goodness, what year is it? So I'm going to talk about more fallout from that trade today and what the Pacers could be doing next now that they have Ricky Rubio and do not have Karis LeVert and what else the Pacers could do going forward and joining me to do that a man whose voice you have heard many times on this show former co-host former indie cornrows writer extraordinaire mr adam friedman adam how's it going it's going pretty well the uh the pacers turned the 10th overall pick in the 2010 draft into demonte sabonis and a uh, 20 what 23 24 overall <laughs> first round pick in the 2022 draft what a You're what, a, what a turn of events <laughs> Way through the Paul George webs. Don't don't forget that they also got uh, seven seasons of Paul George and two seasons of Victor Oladipo. Oh, oh, I thought we were just assets all that matters. From one asset <laughs> to the next, you just got to move. Yeah, one the, asset to the it's next. Like, it's like, it's like a well. spreadsheet, a giant spreadsheet. Just keep moving <laughs> along. Yeah, it, it's a fascinating web to to go. Like we all, everybody's talking about, you know, oh, look how good the Pacers did trading Vic because they got Karis and they got stuff for Karis. But it's like, well, really, go back to PG. And then really, you know, you can go back and back and back. It's how this goes. Maybe they draft someone awesome with the cast pick. Who knows? We have a few more notes on Ricky Rubio now, Adam, because Rick Carlisle spoke to the media today and said something that isn't surprising, but it's just not something I expected to hear. He said, yeah, I communicated with Ricky Rubio. He's in Spain. And that's not surprising. Ricky Rubio is Spanish. He's from Spain. He's a torn ACL from December. He's not going to play this season. I just didn't realize he was in another continent completely. If there was any chance he had of sort of returning in a time frame that made me think the Pacers might actually meet with him at some point, that's not happening at all. So I don't think we're going to even see Ricky Rubio in the state of Indiana this season. No, but he will keep collecting that check that probably pays around three to $4,000 every two weeks. Yes, he will. Uh, his salary is why the Pacers were able to acquire him. And I want to talk about Ricky Rubio trades actually in a little bit because... I've seen a lot of discourse floated around here. I might have said this wrong on yesterday's podcast, but because Ricky Rubio's salary was acquired by the Pacers with no other salaries combined with it, it was not aggregated, they can trade him this week, and they could combine his salary with someone else's. They can aggregate him on their own because he came in by himself. So he could be a part of a big trade combined with like a Miles Turner salary or like a smaller Justin Holiday salary and be flipped for something else. So he actually still could be traded again. He's not coming to Indiana. It doesn't matter. If he doesn't get traded, then maybe they can just cut him. There's no point of having him on the roster. Who knows what they'll do, but they do have options to move him. I said something wrong on yesterday's podcast. The Pacers cannot apply for a disabled player exception for him. That deadline was in January. I got confused with last year's deadline, which was in March. The COVID calendar was a real dick to my brain, figuring all this stuff out. But, Adam, I mean – he has no value because he's on an expiring deal and has a torn ACL. Is there any like creative thing you could think of they could do to flip Rubio's deal, or is it just kind of like no, maybe they, they a got bigger the deal value like they wanted for? It. They got an expiring contract. They'll give them cap space next year. They got a right. pick attached with it. Really, kind of right. Second round pick kind of goes with it in some ways. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't think they like need to do anything else. They got what they wanted for it, which is basically was they 
cleared off $17 million next year. And they got a couple of picks to hopefully package together and make another move up like they did in last year's draft. Right. I mean, what could, I guess you probably have an idea. What else could they actually do with it? I mean, I guess if something needs to get above the, like, like the minimum they could give the contract to them or if somebody like, but that's about it. Right. Why would, why would anybody else take his contract just because. Yeah. The, the OKC is the only team below the salary floor. So like I get why they would want his contract, but at the same time, bird rights. Is that the no, reason? no? But I guess, but he's you can sign him outright for probably nothing. Got a next torn year. ACL. Yeah, like how much is he about worth more than the MLE right now? I don't. Not, I don't know. Not next year, probably. Maybe right. you know, if he comes back and plays well, but he's probably a minimum guy next year. Maybe even depending on how bad the ACL is. Yeah, yeah. He so. might like he might not play till like what next December or January twenty. Well, I don't remember when he tore thing. it, but yeah, late I mean, December, late December. Yeah, then it'll be probably. I mean. He could ten months actually has been sort of like a new thing for ACLs where we've seen that pretty quickly, but yeah, it, I guess you could say. I mean, it's like you know, the package idea, right? Like if you want to trade another player, another player, and some picks to get an actual player. But I'm still trying to figure out who would be the thirty, let's say five million dollars salary or twenty seven dollars that works. Right. That's like a player you kind of want. You don't give up real picks for that they wouldn't have wanted Karis Avert and X player combined instead exactly. of exactly right. It's, it's, re- it's really hard for me to find value for him. The only thing that I've thought of that makes any sense is Joe Ingles with Utah, who's also out for the season but makes less money than Rubio. Like, could you somehow, if you're the Pacers and you want to get a little farther from the tax, like entice the Jazz to do that with well, like cash? And Rubio maybe had his best season last what three or four years with the Jazz, right? Yeah, maybe they'd be a team who who. Well, he's been there, right? Him, I he guess. Was, right, he was but, there what three seasons ago, wasn't he? In the bubble season. Yeah, but that that's the only kind kind of thing that makes sense is someone else who is also out for the season. Basically, it's really tough to think of anything too specific. There's not that many guys out for the season in his salary range besides Joe Ingles. So cash or a second rounder or something yeah, for the Pacers I mean, to the, do that, but. Yeah, the that's Pacers, that's it. Besides OKC, that's kind of all I could think of. Yeah, the Pacers didn't trade for him to trade him again. They traded because they knew what they were getting out of it. I mean, right. if they, they could move yeah, him again, they, it's just bonus, basically. The expiring contract is a pretty valuable for them because they can now kind of run down two paths again this offseason. They have the flexibility to do a lot of stuff. So that's why Ingles is the only thing that made any sense to me is because he's also expiring and he could get them farther from the tax. But why would the Jazz do that unless they have the right incentive? And OKC... You know, I get why they'd want to get to the salary floor, but like the the punishment for not getting to the floor, just paying your players more, you just pay your own guys more. And if you're an owner, you don't want to be paying a guy more than his contract. Like I get why they hate that and get above the floor every year. Yeah, anyway, I think there have been some some times in the NBA where they, they've done that, and like a player, like there's been like stories about terrible teams doing this, right? They won't pay the money, and then like some player, will be like, well, you know, we traded for that guy, and that cost everybody a million bucks or whatever. Like, yeah, there is there'll be some of that issue if they actually do get yeah, but, but like the, floor. the way the way owners view it, almost the reason they do it, like the OKC spent like stupid money on these foreign players the end of last season to get to the floor. Because owners are like, oh, I just paid a minimum player five million dollars because I had to bump up his salary to reach the floor. Like they hate that. Thinking that's why they always get up. Yeah, there. but all those players have to be on that crap team has been rebuilding for three years. It'd be kind of like a nice little yeah. bonus. So like Shago, that has just been like in like the wilderness for the past two seasons. <laughs> so with OKC, like I get why they maybe would be like, okay, we'll, we'll take Rubio to get to the floor, but the reason the because the punishment is just paying your guys to get to the floor. You know, unless unless they're like right at the floor with Rubio, they'd have to be enticed to take him. Still, his money yeah, well, is how much are they below dead. the floor? How much are they below the floor? I don't actually know that. Uh, okay, I don't actually know that. Uh, but they are below the floor yeah, enough. They're that, probably not seventeen below, and they probably don't want to pay any more than the exact right. floor. 
because there's right, some, right, like they're in that. And even if it's right up to the floor, they would. Yeah. I mean, they might just rather pay their own guys at that point. I don't know what they're thinking. Well, even if they were like a million below, they'd probably rather give that distribution out. Uh, I don't mean like helicopter outside my apartment. I can't. It is loud as hell. Wow. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. I do not live near an airport, which is odd. Um, they wouldn't like they would want to get as close to the floor as possible, whether below or above it, because that's where the incentive is. Yeah. To just like not have to on their like I don't know margin sheet or whatever the hell they calculate how much money they make per year. So all of this very confusing stuff is to say there's not a lot of stuff that makes sense for Rubio unless there's some surprise big trade where the Pacers take back like a giant salary that no one really sees coming. So I don't think he'll get flipped, but it is possible there are options there. I think that is the first fallout from the Karis Levert trade. That is interesting to me is like, what can they do with him, if anything? And I think if he's on the team on Friday, they'll just cut him and be like, okay, now we have this roster spot too. I like last year they got they waived Jalen the queue and ended up bringing in O'Shea Brissett. Like we all saw how much that helped. They could do something like that again if they cut him. So his, it seems like his roster spot will have value after the deadline anyway. It's just what do they try to do in the next three days? That is interesting to me. Yeah, I mean the more interesting part is by doing this, they sort of set themselves up for like kind of a soft reset. Yeah, they can kind of had a bad bad year this year. Get some guys, some talent, some actual players in next season with the draft pick, and like kind of do what they did. I would sort of say in seventeen eighteen a little bit, or between those right where they didn't like they got rid of PG and they weren't going to go full rebuild, but they also weren't going to like go all in. They were just trying to be like more competent and then kind of do that. But this this trade opened up that possibility just to be kind of more competent next year. Are you ready? They're yeah. twenty three million shy of the salary floor, so Rubio doesn't even get them all the way there. <laughs> yeah, but you. I'm assuming there'll be another trade here that will, and maybe. Well, so they. And I'm trying to think another. The fact trade, that they're but, farther away from his salary actually makes me think it's a little more possible. But they would still, I think, the Pacers would have to attach a second, probably, or something to do it because they're just basically saying you pay this guy instead of us. So even though the the rest of the season salary, they're they're we're basically two thirds of the way through. So about six million more to Rubio would be what the Thunder would pay him. So like. Two seconds probably is what that would take to just dump him away. And and what's the point of that? If you're the Pacers, why would you give up assets? Just yeah. just deal with it at that point. You know, you don't need the space this well, year. Then you say what's what's the year right? What do you say is year in salary was like something left like six million left on his deal, probably. Yeah, for the rest of the year. So then you have to So that's that. why that's why the Joe Ingles thing makes a little more sense. And this isn't even a real trade. This is just an idea, right? Well, you're trading like, picks to save money, which is always a bad move. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. in terms of like saving like money for no reason, right? Your team is not going anywhere. You're just right. doing it to like literally save money because you're being cheap. Do you have any other stray thoughts about the Levert trade that you feel like are kind of being under discussed? Uh, I don't know. I don't think that picks that valuable, but I don't know how, how much that's been discussed. I mean, it's it's going to be probably a the mid first. You mean pick. the Cavs first? Yeah, it's going to be a mid twenties pick. I mean, uh, the, yeah. the history of those players. You have to get lucky. I mean, I'd, I'd say every probably three seasons, there's probably one guy in the mid 20s that's been kind of good. Maybe two or three end up being like somewhere in like the back end of your rotation. But it's pretty hard to get a guy in that range who's been who's going to be probably even like a I don't know a, a role player in three seasons. I do want to talk about those picks and some just general straight thoughts I've had now that it's been 24 hours and they are a little more settled in. I think we know, although this is, I can't confirm this, but I, I, I've seen it somewhere, what the rollover protection is that the Pacers don't get the Cavs pick this year. So we'll talk about that. But first, Adam, let's take a short little break to talk about TurboTax because people think unusual circumstances mean complicated taxes. But for TurboTax live experts, that's what makes things interesting. We all have unique lives. 
whether you invested in crypto for the first time this year, traded for Ricky Rubio, or own an upcoming small business, or you have rambunctious twins, TurboTax Live has experts who can answer your tax questions, walk you through the whole process, order your taxes from start to finish. They help you get every deduction you deserve no matter your unique situation. And you talk to a TurboTax Live expert through your phone or computer without leaving your house. TurboTax Live experts are here to help you however you need and give you an extra hand. Hand your taxes off to them and they'll do it all for you. To TurboTax Live experts, an interesting life can mean an even greater refund. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. You do your thing. They've got your taxes. Into it, TurboTax Live. So, Adam, let's talk about these draft picks because I, I agree that I think that that trade, that first rounder doesn't have a ton of value. Uh, but thanks to everyone for making Locked On Pacers their first listen every single day as we navigate through this trade deadline as the Pacers made their biggest midseason move on their own autonomy in a long time. And Adam, I don't know if I texted you this or not. I messaged a few people about this and someone else messaged it to me. Uh, Scott McNeilis did. You know what's funny about this Cavs pick? Is just like the first or second time in your entire life, Adam, that as a fan of the team, you'll be actually rooting against another team for their pick situation. The Pacers never do this, where they like acquire another team's first round pick midseason. Yeah, I mean, this hasn't happened. This has ever happened? I mean, in like, uh, least, I was, like I was messaging with Derek Kramer. When did they get the Bender pick? Did they get Bender after, or did they get oh my his God, pick? Tony, I was like five. <laughs> That's why I don't, <laughs> I don't know that. that one. But okay, that kind of that kind of underscores my point, though. It's been a sure. long time since fans throughout the whole season, and it, it applies to the Rockets too because they have their second. That fans of the Pacers are not only rooting for the Pacers draft position, but also they want the Cavs to stink to to make the playoffs, but stink. To the point yeah, they we, want, we want a teens pick. I got a 16 kind of range. Yeah. So the thing with the Cavs pick, it's lottery protected. Real GM has this listed. I tried to confirm it today. I think this is accurate, but I'm not 100% on this. It's lottery protected this year. If the Cavs, like let's say they stumble to the play-in, which they're only three and a half ahead of that, and then get knocked out in the play-in, then they're in the lottery, right? So then the, it would roll over the next year. It's also lottery protected that year. So it's two straight years, 2022 and 2023, lottery projected. And then after that, it, let's say the Cavs stink again the year after that, then it becomes two seconds. It's the 2025 LA Lakers second and a 2026, or excuse me, a 2025 Cavs second and a 2026 Lakers second. That Lakers second could be good, but the, I think the Cavs are likely going to make the playoffs this year. It's just that's what I think it is. I'm just not 100% sure. Anyway. You said that that first isn't very good, and I agree. And the Pacers have not done awesome picking in the 20s. Aaron Holiday, in fact, is the only in the 20s pick of the KP era. They traded him not that long ago. The thing about the 33rd Whoa, pick is Isaiah Jackson, right? He was 21, right? Oh, yeah. Duh. Well, I was about to talk about Isaiah because the way they got the Isaiah pick was Aaron Holiday not quite panning out but still being okay. And the 31st pick. What about Goga plus 33? Like, they could get another pick in the mid-20s, right? Like, they have all these options now with these two picks, which I it think— It gets harder, though, to trade up the farther you're going up, right? So go from, like, 31 to 22 is easily going up from 22 to 15, right? That's the same. 100%. Number, right? Like, you're, it just—every it every time you go up, it costs you a little bit more just to move even a little bit. But I could see it being a—so let's say it's a 22 pick, right? And they have the 33rd pick, let's say. And they have a, you know, they could do that plus a player and get to like maybe 19. I mean, that's like not out of the question. Yeah. On who has it? How many first round picks that team has? OKC has a bunch of these picks. They might want to get just get rid of one because they don't want to have, you know, another seven rookies in their roster again. I mean, that's always possible. Well, let me ask you another question, though. And I don't, I can't answer this perfectly because we don't know where the Pacers will be on draft night next year. But would you rather have 
two top 33 picks or one top whatever it ends up being 18 17 for example well like i think you could argue pretty easily that you'd rather have the two i'd rather have two bites of the apple if you're the yeah player. i mean i think the thing too this this could become valuable is it could help them if they let's say are five or four and want to jump to three or two yes now the thing is in the nba draft there'll be a tier i don't know it yet but they'll so there'll be like a tier of three guys who no team will trade out of because they're the three best players and you have to basically like you know you have to kill them for the pick i mean that's how it usually becomes right yeah. like i mean i think like the think back to the ingram wiggins year right there was nobody could trade in the top two no matter what you had because those two guys were considered like surefire same with kind of the morant zion same thing there was like nobody was getting those two guys well barrett too that year after yeah that. with barrett, okay i can remember barrett was on that but i know like it was like you're not getting into this tier, right? No matter like you have to get, like, you give up everything you have to get maybe into this tier. So there'll be that, but right. it could move marginally depending if they're like seven, maybe seven to five. Like if there ends up being kind of this more mush tier. No matter where the Pacers pick ends up, Kevin Pritchard will go. Yeah, we had seven, and we liked six guys in this draft or whatever, whatever it ends up being. So maybe they can move into the range of players that Kevin Pritchard says the Pacers or the league likes or whatever. He always says that. It always cracks me up. Yeah, that they do add a lot of value that I think will be more clear once, A, we know what the final standings are this season, and B, once their draft night direction is a little more clear, like what are they going to do with Brogdon in the offseason, what other trades they make in the next 48 hours, whatever it is, till the deadline from now. Like that'll make the the draft pick strategy a little more clear. But I still think that, two, I mean, I rate second round picks a little higher than you, especially when they're that high in the second round. Like thir- the difference between the last first round pick and 33 is like nothing, basically. So... Two top 30, whatever it ends up, 35 picks basically, is, is pretty useful to a, to a team in their situation to me, especially if they're going to lean in a little more on, on some of their young guys down the stretch. Yeah, it's a weaker draft. I've been told. I'm not going to say I know this a ton, but I've, I I've heard, I've I've not heard the rumor that it's a weaker draft. I am not a college basketball guy. Like I, I will watch March Madness, but I'm not a huge – I'll dive into the guys like later when they finally like know who the top 15 are, maybe even the top five and where the patient end up. But um, yeah, I mean I heard it's a weak draft. So if it's a weak draft that – could affect this too a little bit. Um, I do wonder if there's something where they got another first round pick to have a first round pick in there. And there's like the possibility that if something interesting pops up with their top pick, plus a player to make a real move in the off season for somebody like, right. I don't know if Simmons still hanging around. I mean, then they have a top three pick or you probably even want to go higher. Like Beal. I mean, there could be some move there to just, and then they still have a first round pick. They can bring in and call their first round pick. And then they have this asset plus, you know, let's say the, the broad and you're ruining my topics list. I'm no, gonna I'm have sorry. to do a podcast in like a week of the. Do the Pacers have good ammo to go after the next available star kind of deal? And they well, it really just depends what their pick ends up being. I mean, I think right. the you know, number one pick they can pretty much get anybody you want depending on how good. If the Goga's good the rest of this season, I mean, Duarte, Jackson, Goga, well, two first. I mean, they're close. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I assume it's going to be. Um, they're going to make a lot of moves. There's going to be a lot of like just kind of clearing out guys to clear up space, clear the clear room for some certain centers to be able to play minutes depending on who's left when this all shakes out, but something will be cleared out. And also just sort of like we'll see a kind of reset of the roster around probably two or three guys, depending on who, who hangs around after all this. And that will be kind of their like idea of selling for the next three seasons, let's say. Can I ask you a, a philosophical question about the Levert deal? Sure. Let's say they do nothing else from now to the deadline. Would you have still call the trade a success? What Which what's, what's one are we talking about? There's been like Levert three. Deal. The Levert deal. The Levert deal for Oladipo. Okay. All right. No, no, no. The Levert deal for the picks. 
Oh, Let's say yeah. The Pacers I mean, do nothing in the next three days. Would you still say that's a good deal? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, the, this yeah, he too. doesn't fit with the roster. They've they're, they've won how many? What they've won twenty? How many games that now? I, they've won nineteen <laughs> games. They haven't won twenty games yet. I've been winning twenty games for like a week or two. I think um, they've won nineteen games. Yeah, he doesn't fit. It clearly doesn't fit. They got value for him. The the Cavs needed that kind of player. Apparently, it seems like so. Yeah, I think it's a success. No matter, you know. I don't think much yeah. as, you know, I mean, if uh, they got value for a guy who probably will, we'll find out whether he actually has real value or not when he is playing in the playoffs as like probably the sixth ish man for this, for the Cavs team. Yeah. I, well, I only asked that because I was thinking about it today. Like in the, in my head, I, I keep seeing this typed and I wrote this and I said this, you know, trading Levert in my head signals that they're going to do other stuff, right? They're clearly sellers. They got nothing of present value back for him. Nothing. It's all future stuff. But if they do nothing, then they got a bunch of future stuff and that's it. But they still needed to do something like that. You know, like they were 33 and 41 in games Levert played. So if they just do this, I still think they should. I'll, I'll probably say, yeah, they should have done more, but that trade was still good. That's what I think. I was just curious if you thought yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, he's got more value probably now than he would in the summer if they didn't do anything, right? I mean, that, that's a look at it, right? Because I think the having the extra playoff run for the Cavs was big, right? You say you were at two playoff yes. runs out of him instead of one. And then they can also have the extension this summer. They have him in for four for what have we, four right. months, let's say, and they can decide we want to extend him. Do they think it's worth their and they can move him to the summer if they decide they don't like it. Like there's there's a lot of more value for the Pacers than holding him for four more months while they continue to win, I don't know, ten more games this season if we're lucky, uh, right? Uh, I mean, that's, and uh, apply that's all a- those same points to Turner. We've uh, we've been talking about why this is the time to trade him for that exact reason, right? Your dr- value drops a ton when you the become only an thing with him is the injury, right? If, is he more value when he's healthy and there's just something like that? Can he come back and play a month and look good and then they can turn off season? There's some of that, but I get what you mean overall. Well. I don't know this, but he's back on the court now. So, and my thought has always been, given what we know about his injury, that he'd be back basically after the All Star break. And there's like at most four games between the trade deadline and the All Star break. Like, is four games really dropping his value so much that all these teams are scared of trading for him now and will be so psyched to do it on draft night? I just, I can't get there. Yeah, I, I, people have seen it, but I, I can't get there. I kind of agree with you, but I think he's got an injury history. I think it's fair to say at this yes. point, he's he's a guy who doesn't really play more than 55 games. And I think they just want to see him play some basketball before they make a move for him, especially if they're going to trade real assets. And that could be hurt. Because if he had getting, getting hurt, he would have been traded. He would have been the first guy moved, I assume. I and mean, it seemed like he would have been the first domino. Then it would have been Levert. Then maybe somebody else. But it's, they sort of, there's clearly the Turner market sort of, this happens almost every time Turner ends up on the trade block, right? It gets really hot for a little while, and then it dries the hell out for a little while. And then it's like, then you come back at the end and see if anybody wants to make a move before you know all this stuff is settled out. Yes, that is accurate. And speaking of Turner and other trades, let's talk about stuff that the Pacers could do now that they have dealt Lavert or any other just trade deadline thoughts. I mean, that's basically what I'm going to talk about every show this week. Everybody wants to know what the Pacers could do, but before... We do that. Let's talk about the good folks over at Bet Online who have you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right to the big game in a couple weeks. Can't wait to watch Joe Burrow versus Matthew Stafford. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of the sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline.net, where the game starts. 
Yeah, we just talked about Turner Adam, and I think there's still a chance he's moved, or Sabonis, or Craig, or Holiday, or Jeremy Lamb. Why? Even go- why is Sabonis on the trade market? Can I ask? Like, like, really, why? I would not deal him myself. I still think it's pretty unlikely he's traded. But if you're the Pacers and you just dealt Levert, you're clearly signaling some sort of rebuild. If you get blown away for an offer for him, are they totally really going to like? Like, do we really think they're going to go into like a multi-year rebuild? I mean, let's be real no. with this team, right? No. The reason they're rebuilding this season is because they basically have to like they were forced to by the bad play but like do you think next year they're not going to try to be competitive again i don't pretend like, they will i agree yes and so Sabonis so is a really good player who when with a roster that's not you know injured and fits him a little better makes them better right there's nobody out there they can get in the free agent market or even in a trade who's better than Sabonis, so unless they're going to trade Sabonis so for someone better but they're not gonna do that now it would be right. a summer move but it's not going to be a today move and that still doesn't really make like a lot of sense. I just don't really get the Sabonis. Like every team wants Sabonis because he's a good player and every, you know, they're trying to trade him, but like, why would the Pacers that are trying to be competitive next year want to, it seems like the move is Sabonis, Duarte and whatever this pick is, is sort of their like building blocks for next season. You figure everything else out with whatever you want to do, but those two plus the pick seem like they should be like the foundation of next season's team. Yeah, it seems like that they were able because, like, I think everybody who really follows the Pacers knows that the Levert trade was pretty un-Pacersy to get very little, like, not even a contributing player back is not something Herb Simon. But they got the salary cap space, which is what leads to contributing player ultimately. The cap space is huge. The picks are obviously nice, but I think something you just said is right that the reason they were able to maybe not convince Simon, but just you know they are we are what we're actually over two thirds of the way through this NBA season, and the Pacers are as close to the plan as they are to last in their conference, right? That is how bad their season has been. They are so far out of the plan already. There is no point of even what he said as the rosy way of putting it, building on the go, making your tweaks or whatever. And I know that that even I have been harping on the build on the go, but Herb did say like, if your team isn't working, you make big changes. He did say that. I put that quote in my story. So I don't yeah, think but- he's not receptive to it. He just has never really done it. If but that makes big sense. changes trading away, maybe your only player is in the top. I know if they, if they, I would not consider only trading Lavert as, as right. If they got rid of literally everybody else but Sabonis, Duarte, and this next year in this pick, that's big changes in my opinion. Right, right? I like, know. I like want to find what, the quote really quick. That's what it means to me, and I mean, I think the reason they convinced Simon is because they have no shot at the playoffs, and they're and this is no. like you point to Toronto last season, right? Similar thing. They were sort of hanging around. They didn't hang around this year, but they were a potential bubble team and fell off. And so you just say, but now Toronto is back being competitive because they use their cap space wisely. They got a really good pick and they moved, you know, they figured it out. And that's what the Pacers probably just have to do to be like competitive. They're not, not going to be great next year, but they could, I mean, you know, if they win six more games than they are right now, they're at least in the, like competing for the playing tournament. Yeah, that's that they're just not. And, and so his exact quote was, you put a roster together. If it's not working around the edges, you try to improvement. And if you're either not doing well or you're doing very well, you can make some major changes. And the Pacers are certainly not doing well, right? So he, he does understand that major changes are needed, but that Lavert alone would not be that. So I think, like what you just said, something else will happen this week. And maybe it's not Sabonis. And I agree with you that I, I think just, it would just take a massive offer for them to do it. Yeah. I mean, it has to be some kind of, and I don't even know what math offer could be out there. Like it, it just does like, it seems yeah, like teams want a bonus as their third, second star, right? Like if you're looking at like a Boston, for example, or I mean, you can just go on the list. Or Washington, like Sacramento, Boston. whatever. Yeah. And so what are they going to offer that's going to blow the picture? Neither, not, right. neither of those three teams has like this guaranteed unless, top five pick. Unless a Fox offer is real, I don't think there is one. 
But is is Fox even like you're just swapping players? And I actually think someone's a better player than Fox. And what are you building? I really like Darren Fox, but I get I get what you're saying. Yeah, but I mean, I think they're a comparable value in like, yes, you, yes. And Sabonis is actually proven to be more productive, right? Like we've 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 seen 100%. Sabonis be a better player, right? We yes. think Fox could be, but we've actually seen Sabonis be the better player, like be a top twenty-five player at his like very best when everything's going right. So. I don't know. It just doesn't make a lot of sense if they're if they're if they're truly going to go in the tank the next two years. Sure, so trade everybody. But I just yeah. I don't know with an eighty-five year owner who's never really wanted to do that why they would all of a sudden be doing that next year. They you know they're going to be bad this year. Maybe they'll get a lucky in the lottery and get a top three pick and they can sort of just like do what we've been talking about forever. They just find that superstar with that kind of pick. I mean that's that's the kind of like world they're living in right now is they can get lucky. Adam, TJ Warren's going to come back in a couple weeks. He's going to look awesome, and they're just going to turn it around right right away. It's going to be super easy, right? That's how this is. Is he coming back? I mean, I, I, is he I, actually? I think he'll play at some point this season, yes. So, well, okay, this is not That is not a, a Pacers colored glasses take, I think, TJ Warren's Okay, so what is – so is he going to be on the team next year? Like, are they going to resign him? Is that how this works? I mean, because he hasn't played in almost I, two years. I, I, that's another podcast. I have a lot of ideas about TJ Warren's next contract that are very creative uh, that would not necessarily screw the Pacers but would still allow TJ Warren to make his money. Like a one and one with a player option that he can opt out and get some more money. I'll back. explain the gist of it now, but like – so that's okay. Unlikely bonuses basically. Yeah, the way those work is, you know, it's based off of what you did the year before, if it's like unlikely or unlikely. So they could even do like eight million of base salary and then like eight million of bonuses for like playing half the games or like shooting a certain percentage or something like that. Gotcha. So then if he's still good, he's making money like a good player. And if he sucks because he's been out for two years, you're only paying him a little bit. And then they could do a one plus one that way that lets Warren get his money if he's still good. And I think he wants to be here. So that's something. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about. Any trades, Adam? And I, I have a question for you, and I have my answer, but I don't know yours. Okay. Who do you feel like, since it's not Sabonis, and I agree with you, is the most likely next Pacer to be moved? Miles Turner has to be. Okay, that's not my answer. You think Jeremy Lamb is? Jeremy Lamb is my answer. That's correct. Well, Jeremy Lamb is going to be moved. I s- well, no, now the how close are the tax still? What are they like? Still about a million one million under? shy. They're very close. But there's no nobody's getting a bonus this year, right? I mean, no, they're not going to go over it. There, there's very little fear of going over it now. So then the Lamb move is again just to save money, I guess. Because well, I think it's Lamb because I only say Lamb because he got the DNP on Sunday or so, yeah, Sunday, Who and I think I I think there's a chance he they could fetch a second for him. I really do. They had to take back salary though, which makes it hard. Something else about Lamb that's interesting, we didn't really bring this up, but like, what if they combine Lamb and Rubio and then take back someone who makes like two years of $28 million? And then... Yeah, yeah but <laughs> find me the player, the team that wouldn't have wanted to make that move with Levert if you're doing that. That's what <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to... Yeah, it's tough. It's very who, tough. Who, who are the $28 million contract they want to get off of is what you're basically saying. And that you yeah, actually the, find... The, the list is basically like Al Horford, Tobias Harris... Uh, yeah, but Harris, they want value because they need the value because they're trying to be good. Is like the king, like is Harrison Barnes that Buddy bad? Buddy Heal, really. maybe? Buddy Heel. Yeah, let's say the Kings is the other look at, but I don't yeah. know. Uh, is Heal yeah. really falling that far? I mean, Heal almost got traded for uh, for that whole package in, in Los Angeles. Like, thing. Oh my gosh, the Kings six months ago. That. Yeah. So Tur- Turner, I agree, is pretty likely or the next most likely guy. And I have trouble with, with Craig and Holiday because I, I think they should trade both of them, really. But I get why they'd want to keep. You know, they both have NBA Finals experience. Holiday won a championship. Like, I like the idea of having 
vets on young teams. Like keeping one is is fine. I don't think they should trade both necessarily or anything, but I have no idea even what to make of their values this season. Justin Holiday's been on a heater really the last like four weeks. I wanted to do a segment on that, but there hasn't even been time. So those guys make sense to, for me to trade too, but I think Turner, yeah. for reasons we've been talking about for years and years and years, is the most likely, I would say. Yeah, I actually think with, with Craig and Holiday, I mean, you could, but also it's like they're on such cheap deals and you, you're going to need players like that anyways if you're trying to be competitive next year. And they, like, you don't think they're going to like, there's going to be this lingering feel that they were the reason. Like, they're not the reason the team stinks this year. I mean, they're just not. They're they're too far down the line of players for that to make. Um, okay. Here's I mean, what I'll say. For a team that has 13 losses by one possession, Justin Holiday sucking for a good portion of the season is pretty important. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. margin between their record being okay and what it is is not very big, despite it being bad. You know, yeah. he's been really good recently, but he wasn't good at the start of the season. I guess, yeah. I guess my point is like, Craig is different you, though. If you think each of them could be on your roster next year, and you possibly want that, you maybe just hold on them because they're you're not going to fetch you anything great, and you can always probably move them in the summer for something. You know, yeah, move Mark that's true. around. And if you're if you're thinking like because you want to sort of figure out what team you want to build and what you need next year, right? And so like you don't quite know if you're gonna be able to get the three and D guy you want with the cap space or whatever, right? right? So maybe you have to kind of wait for that to piece out and then you move one of those guys, something like that. That's just I don't know. I mean they they if they had value they could they probably trade, but I don't think even has enough value to get anything with the second round pick, and I don't think there's any has really a ton of value anyway. So Justin Holiday in the year 2022. 44% from the field, 41.2% from deep on over seven attempts per game. 13 points per game on less than 10 shots. Great timing if you're the Pacers to see those numbers pop up across the screen as, as a Yeah, but you really want to trade that shooting because it's, it's going to last because uh, shooting <laughs> is... the only good shooter at this point, basically. Yeah, how many shooting? Like, they're, they're, Craig yeah. makes more sense because he's not like a shooter. I think I'd be more likely to deal Craig if I was the Pacers too. The only reason I think that one of them could be moved is like if they do something like they did with Levert where they take back an expiring guy who makes about the same, they could get really serious cap space in the summer. But they also – you're telling me you can't in, in June trade uh, Craig in a second round pick to somebody like if you need right. $5 million right. or whatever it makes next year six. Like I no, think they I, can I, find – right? The trade that yeah. you're going to make, it's not going to be available. I mean I guess you don't think it's a second round pick up, but you've accumulated a second round pick already. Two in this – or was it one? No, it's two, right? Cavs trade. They got like a, a 2027 one too, right? So you have a lot of second round picks floating around you can move. Yeah, that's true. That is true. And true. And also, but here's another factor. Like, this is just a consideration. Let's say they know they have this deal in place, in theory, where they could get a wing for Turner. Then you might want to trade one just to free up the minutes to play whoever you get. So it's kind of an, an in-tandem thing. Like, if they keep yeah, everybody, maybe they're more likely to stay because they could help next year. What would you, you be looking DMP, for? Cra- you can just DMP Craig. What's going to happen if you DMP him and don't play their season? What's he going to do? I mean, yes, he's not changing. <laughs> yeah. 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 But who would you play instead? They don't that that's the only position they don't have any like young anything. Basically. Yeah, but if Moro, I get somebody young, more O'Shea set seems like an obvious thing. But other than that, they don't really have. Like, yeah, young. but if I don't know, I'm, I, these are all problems I don't think are that hard to overcome, right? Like, right. like Torrey Craig is not going to block anybody if they want to play. Like, they just won't play him. He's not that important. <laughs> Fans will tell me on Twitter for six years that not trading Torrey Craig is the reason this team is where it is. It always happens that way. No. This team is where it's at <laughs> for several because, reasons yeah. because they've ran the same team back slight with slightly worse players for like three no, straight seasons. No, no, they're where they're at because Victor Oladipo tore his quad. I mean, it, it's that. Well, okay, that's sort of what I meant, <laughs> right? Yeah. You take the 2017 18 team, it's basically the same team except 
you put Levert instead of Oladipo at his peak. And then at one point you replace McDermott with Craig and like things, they just get, they were like, they were, they were basically like living on the edge that season. Cause they had a bunch of close wins. Cause Vic was amazing. In the clutch, they easily could have been a 38 win team versus the 48 team win, win team that year. But no, they were just like, he was that <laughs> good. In the clutch. This year. Yeah. So like that was possible. So like it really, they were probably somewhere in the early, in like a 41 win team. And then they just got, mar- you know, two, three games worth every time with the moves they made. And that's you end up with 25 wins. I mean, and then you also terrible in the clutch for, you know, six months, like, like, like laughably bad in the clutch. Like, just like you lose a game by a point. And I'm at this point just like, yep, yeah, that's that. Of course, they're going to lose that game. I think we've covered every trade candidate except for Turner in a little more detail. So I'll have one question for him. Does the Levert trade change what you'd want back from him? Like, does it make you swing more towards players? Does it make you swing more towards picks or anything like that? Or does it keep you where you are? Yeah. I think with Turner, you're just trying to probably. I mean, you might make a similar trade for with Turner if you're really thinking about. It. I mean, you're at this point, you're clearing Turner to because you think Sabonis is your center, lone center for your future. I would assume. And mostly, so, but also for the again, like we talked about last offseason, the expiring contract drops his value to the point that like it still makes yeah. sense to me to deal him now, even yeah, I mean, with the injury hit. It'll be more than it will be to me at draft night. Yeah, just to. I, I don't know the free agent class. Like I have like lost track of which free agents this year, but like the page last night had space. Didn't get the big name, but they made a, three really savvy moves in two seasons, right? Between McDermott, um, Bo, Bojan, and Collison, and the like, kind of three-year run. Like they 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 are okay with cap space, right? They like Pritchard is experienced. I mean, Brogdon, same way he kept his getting right. They are they know how to take cap space and turn it into value. So they just get rid of Turner's contract from expiring. There's just more cap space for them to well, work with and stuff. The the upcoming free agent class is bad. It sucks. I mean, it, yeah, but it, like it's. It, but they're not trying to shoot for the fences. They're just trying to get a bunch of marginal players. And they're, you know, I don't think Bojan was considered that great of a. I actually think they won't do this. Well, maybe they will. I actually think a better use of their space, some like would be either like flyers on young guys or just take back a crappy deal and get a first along but with You're them. talking about a rebuild next season again. Yeah. What the Grizzlies, that. your local team now, have done for years and years and years. And look how good they are now. But I get it. Okay. But they doing. also actually lucked into not having the first pick in 2019 and having the second pick and drafted the next Derek Rose. I mean, that's also why they're pretty good. They, they did get the lucky lotto to get job and just Whoa. getting to it. We're lucky to get the first pick that year. I mean, Zion was the number one pick. Zion should have been the, everybody was thinking Zion and they didn't win it. And they actually probably won that, that, that lottery. You know me very reason. well to know, but I don't think a lot of listeners know. I'd, I'd still take Zion over to, I mean, well, I probably would too, but I just, <laughs> every, every year it's going to get more, every day it gets more concerning when you don't I, play basketball. I get why people would not be like that. But I think, so I think with Turner, I, my stance would, would be as it's always been, take the best deal available. But I think that, like you said, they might be a little more receptive to the picks plus expirings package than they were. Yeah, even on Saturday plus, because they just did it with someone else. Plus, remember, even if they don't have space for free agents, they can make a TJ Warren type move, right? right? Where they just take somebody off a team who's good, who they're trying to clutch. But like the space gives them all this maneuverability, and they're actually they're, they're very comfortable in this area where if they have some room, they can bring in players who they think can kind of make the roster better. And you can just put like a competent team, which is like saying a lot, right? They can just get you know like a like a you know a couple really good. Like real, you know, guard level players and a real stretch four ish. That'd be somebody great, but it's somebody who actually like isn't going to be a negative and counter out people. That just makes the roster better. And then you you rely on Sabonis in this pick to sort of be like your your building blocks next year. Right. I agree. I agree. I will be fascinated to see what they do in the next coming days. I don't think we've seen the last of the Pacers' names flashing across our trade screens. Do you have any other straight thoughts on this team, Adam? As the deadline is two days away. 
I have a lot of thoughts on the team, but I'm not. I'm not going to say them right now. We'll, we'll, we'll wait till they get to a point where like we can we can see they get a good a good draft pick, and then I might feel better about this season because it's been. You can't even grade the Levert trade until the the next draft is over. So what? Yeah, until we know where the Cavs land, at least. Then you can right. Because yeah, the Cavs yeah. want to, the Cavs get them to the third. I mean, they're so the East is so tight. The Cavs are going to run and be like the two seed in the East, and all of a sudden there's a twenty seventh overall pick. I mean, that's how it, close it, things are. It's very risky, but what fans want is the Cavs to fall all the way to ten, but then make the playoffs <laughs> through the plan. <laughs> so they have easily the worst record of a playoff team, but that's extremely risky, obviously. So yeah, that that'll be fascinating. They want the Rockets to lose every game the rest of the season and somehow well, get that's, that's not that hard to root for, to be honest. <laughs> the Pistons and Magic, and they want the the Cavs to be the ten seed, so I make it in. But I think realistically, you want the Cavs to be six so they're guaranteed in the playoffs but the worst team that makes it because then it's the safest route yeah, seven or eight they should be able to get in with the play-in win but I don't know. <laughs> have you seen the it. teams in the play-in yeah i know it could the be hawks like and the nets and the celtics i'm like wait that's hard <laughs> i don't know yeah you're right you're right <laughs> but yeah it, it's not as guaranteed as i think people are making it out to no I, I think it's a, very very likely that they will make the playoffs but it's not 100 percent. the east is a jumbled mess I and mean, it is a it mess is. It's, it's but they're also like fun but they're also like one injury away from being a lock to make it. So we'll see. Yeah. They, and they have carousel vert now. So maybe they will be a little better. I have nothing else today. Tomorrow, Dave Sorrell, Mr. Miller time pod himself coming on to talk Pacers trades. If nothing happens, we'll just talk general philosophy with one day to go. If something does happen, eat Pacers or not, because even non Pacers trades have ripple effects on them at this stage. And the Pacers play their last game. Ahead of the deadline tonight, so they'll know their entire situation by the end of tonight. Then it's time. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll break down everything you all need to know, and then Thursday, obviously, is the day. Sound the alarms, ring the bells, do whatever you got to do. Thank you guys a ton for listening. We'll of course be covering everything going on with this team, games, trades, whatever on this show, and we will see you tomorrow.